Welcome to the podcast of St. Basil the Great Catholic Church in Brecksville, Ohio, with homilies, talks, and interviews relevant to your Catholic faith. God bless you, and enjoy. It's my privilege now to introduce our guest speaker, Mr. Joe Quinauer. Joe was born in Brenda Cleveland and seemed destined for a career in broadcasting ever since the first break on TV at the age of 10 on The Barnaby Show. Did you have pointy ears too? Years later, he directed Tina with Brian Fowler to form the Brian and Joe radio show, a tour de force in Cleveland for 23 years. His hard work and personality persevered and got him into broadcasting in the studio and on location all around Northeast Ohio. You can see him as a host and reporter on WKYC Channel 3 and hear him every weekday from 3 to 7 on The Fish 95.5. He's won numerous awards, including induction into the Cleveland Association of Broadcasters Hall of Fame. He's been married 28 years and has four sons, has been a regular contributor and supporter of ministries here at St. Basil, including Christ Reduces Parish. I got to know Joe through some of the ministries, at social events in our subdivision, and at school events because we have kids the same age. Joe's engaging personality, positive outlook, and strong Christian faith allowed him to host and MC many events around town, including the Fest in Wickliffe in Wickliffe every year in August. And we're fortunate to have him here with us this morning. Please help me welcome Mr. Joe Corner. Thank you, Frank. God bless him. That was awesome. Thank you so much, Frank. Thank you all. Great eulogy. I need that. Please. That was awesome. We're going to miss Joe. Uh, thank you all for being here. You know what? I, I just want to dive in. I, I just noticed something that audience pers- participation with, uh, with guys is also a struggle. So I'm going to play a song that I want you to help me sing along with. And believe me, you don't need to know the words, okay? You just need to know the numbers. This is a, a song about a big rig. And on a, on a big rig, how many wheels are there? 18 wheels. You gentlemen are brilliant. We're going to count the 18 wheels on a big rig, starting from one, going all the way up to 18. 18. Mensa. Organization of brilliant men, one place. Oh, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen wheels on a big rig. I guess I lied when I said you knew the words. We're gonna go from one to eighteen, and this is where you sing along. You ready? Deacon, help him in the back, okay? All right. We got, we, got, we got you surrounded with deacons today, too, so thank you, Dave, for being here as well. Ready? Oh, there's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 wheels on a big, good. And they're rolling, 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 rolling. Now, let's count backwards. Oh, there's one, two, three, four, five. Oh, there's 18, 17, 16, 15, 14, 13, 12, 11, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, wheels on a big rig. Not so fast. And they're rolling, 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 rolling. Let's go by even numbers. Oh, there's 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, 16, 18 wheels. Good on a big rig. And they're rolling, rolling. It really wasn't that good. Rolling, rolling, rolling. Let's go. Odd numbers. 
Oh, there is one, three, five, seven, nine, eleven, thirteen, fifteen, seventeen. Wheels on a big rig, you're good. And they're rolling, 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 rolling. Are there anybody in the audience that can speak a native tongue, perhaps Spanish? Oh, there's uno, dos, tres, cuatro, cinco, seis, siete, ocho, Wheelos on a big rig, and they're rolling, 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 rolling. Polish. I live in Parma. I grew up in Parma, all right? Oh, there's one ski, two ski, three ski, four ski, five ski, 18 ski wheels on a big rig. And they're rolling, 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 rolling. Mental telepathy. Oh, there's. And they're rolling, 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 rolling. We have any mathematicians here today? Good. Don't quote me on this. By pi. Oh, there's 3.1497773245722244 with a remainder of three wheels on a big rig, just for spare. And they're rolling, 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 rolling. All right, what else? <laughs> hold on, hold on. I, I'll, I'll, I'll give this a shot. I'll take the challenge. We are Roman Catholic. We should be able to do it in Roman numerals. At this time, I'd like to pray for a little inspiration and thank the Super Bowls all these years for teaching us what I and IV and... Okay, here we go. Oh, there's I, 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 V, 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 I, V, I, I, V, I, 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 X, 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 I, Those commercials are right. This could happen at any time. XIV, XV, XVI, XVIII wheels on a big rig. Help me out. And they're rolling, 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 rolling. Do you remember the Lawson's commercial? Roll on, big O. Get that juice up to Lawson's in 40 hours. We're all old. Rolling. Nice job, gentlemen. And one man sleeps while the other man drives on that long, long Lawson run. And that cold, cold juice in the truck tank boost stays as fresh as the Florida sun. Yeah, the Lawson's commercial. You know what? That was the thing. We grew up in the greatest time in the world. I know there's a greater generation before us, right? But we grew up in a time when we rode bikes without helmets. <laughs> with sissy bars instead of helmets and knee pads. We had a fork on the front of our, our banana seat bike. Baseball card, yes, and of course. And, and you know what? If you wanted to bring a friend on board the bike, all they had to do was stand on the bolts of the front tire. We, we played on monkey bars and slides that went up to 240 degrees in the summertime. We slid down these amazing 
structures of death and survived. And that's the beauty of it. I mean, come on, how many? Raise your hand if you've ever played the jarts game. <laughs> we survived, right? I mean, come on, my Uncle Paul would say, go deep, and I'd say, wait a minute. <laughs> but I mean, we have been through a lot. We really have. Um, I'm going to try to use a, a little bit of, uh, uh, let's see what I can do here. This is my son with whom I'm, I'm well pleased, <laughs> for tech support especially. Let me start from the beginning. Thank you, Jesse. I appreciate it. As, uh, as it was said, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm on two different stations right now, which is wonderful. I'm on radio and I'm on TV. My goal is to, uh, to own my own network and change my name to Jopra. <laughs> Look, considering the price you paid in here, this is as good as it gets, okay? <laughs> so, I am the youngest of four offspring, the youngest sibling in my family. I uh, was born on the east side. I grew up in Garfield Heights, went to St. Timothy's. Come on. Okay. St. Tim's. In 72, I was born in 63. 72, we moved to Parma, where I learned my Polish that I just uh, shared with you a little while ago. I grew up in Parma, graduated from Normandy High School, and... Uh, then I went to Ohio University and studied communications at OU. Any Bobcats? Go Cats. All right. All right. Uh, not the, but the Ohio University. There it is. And then um, I, uh, I got involved in radio. Uh, I, I followed my major. I actually moved down to Nashville, Tennessee. And um, I had this plan of entertaining somehow. So I got involved in radio and uh, ended up on... Uh, radio station down there was a Christian broadcasting station, and I formulated my faith all through my life, but I didn't really focus in on it until I became a senior in high school. I made a church retreat, a day retreat over at St. Anthony's, uh, right on, uh, on State Road there, St. Anthony of Padua. The only reason I went there is because Trish Strazar said, hey, are you going to the retreat? And I said, yeah. Yeah, I am. So I go there with all the wrong reasons, but when I, when I made the retreat, uh, there was a whole bunch of people there that just kind of changed my life at that moment because it reminded me of who I'm not and who I could be. And it was just a day retreat, and there were some amazing superheroes that have actually affected my life for many, many years to come, and they didn't know it at the time. They're sitting at tables just like you. You just don't know who it's going to be that's going to make a difference or an impact on you. So that happened. I ended up going to OU. I went to Nashville to follow my dream, to, to forge my path. And it didn't quite work out the way I thought it would, but I ended up having an opportunity to come back home and work with Brian Fowler on the radio station in WONE in Akron. We started a morning team, which was an answer to our prayer because we always wanted to do that, and it just it happened to fall in place, and God is good. So we went from WONE to Denver, at KZY in Denver, huge market jump. We got fired in Denver. That wasn't planned. We went back home to Ohio, started working at WAZU, the big wazoo in Dayton. Oh, by the way, I... In the process of Akron to Denver, I got married to a wonderful, wonderful woman who has terrible taste in men. <laughs> and she picked me, and I said yes. So Gina and I moved to Denver. There's nothing like moving to Denver and buying a house. 
and losing your job like five months later, and then saying, we're going back home and we're gonna live in my parents' house for four months until I find a job again, which is awesome. Then we went down to Dayton, then we went back up to Cleveland, and I worked at 107.9 the end, and then we worked at WMMS, and then we worked at Mix 106.5. And then from there, things changed again. So that'll get you up to date to who I am and what I've planned all my life at this point. So you ready for the five secrets? That's why you're here, to learn the secrets, all right? You're about to learn five secrets, I'm gonna reveal them for you, and quite frankly, you may be surprised. Secret number one, five secrets of life first off. There's your plan, and there's God's plan. His is better. (laughs) We tend to dream and live life in a straight line in our mind. We want only goal. We want the, the answer of prayer to be done just like that. God doesn't work that way. God doesn't work in straight lines. As a matter of fact, we have ups and downs. We have hills and valleys in our life. Each and every one of you here, the older you are, the more hills and the more valleys, the ups and downs. And that's the amazing thing that I think I've learned over the years is that these straight lines that we want, God, please, I need this job. I, I, I need this, this woman to fall in love with me because she is the love of my life. I want this. I need this. It's straight lines, right? Well, God doesn't always work that way. In fact, I don't think he ever works that way. Look at the apostles. No straight line there. And even after Jesus left this earth and rose, we just learned, I don't know if you've gone to Mass already today, but the lives did not get any better afterwards, more ups and downs. So the secret is, yeah, you've got a plan for your life, and so does God, but his is better. Because personally, the ups and downs kind of look like this. And that heartbeat that we have is a perfect reminder a moment-to-moment reminder that there are going to be ups and there's going to be downs. Because frankly, if I had my way, my straight line would look like that. And there's no life there. So even though you don't want the downs, you need those to bounce back up. A simple fact of life. And I think most of all, we, we don't go through life hoping that we have the lower points in life, but it happens. That's life. Tell Frank to write a song about it, right? But it's so true. And if we just remind ourselves that there will be ups and there will be downs, that that is by far one of the secrets revealed that you can just wrap your head around and say, okay, I knew this was going to happen. You can't always be on the mountaintop. Sometimes the valleys are longer. Sometimes the valleys actually look a lot longer than the ups. But let's face it, that is our life. Secret number two. Look around this room. I I really want you to. I mean, I want you to look at each other right now. And I want you to realize that you're not all that. (laughs) Some of these are going to be painful. 
<laughs> if you're lucky enough to have someone in your life, someone that actually married you, you are blessed. Because look at yourselves. We're not good. We are not all that attractive. I mean, have you seen yourself in bike shorts by any chance? <laughs> we are not perfect. And so often we want perfection to come into our lives, but it doesn't happen because we're not all that. And if we remember that, I think it's so important. We all have so many faults, too many to name. And the fact that Someone chose you over all those faults. And I'm talking about someone in your life. By applause. How many are married, were married, or currently thinking about getting married? Keep clapping if you're happy. Okay, good. Good. Sometimes it just gets really quiet. I'm like, oh. But I mean, truthfully, guys, if we just remind ourselves that we're not all that, then maybe we can actually wrap our brain around the fact that sometimes we shouldn't expect the best if we're not the best. It was told to me a long time ago when I first got married actually by Deacon Ed Telepak, who was a great man. He's one of the superheroes in my life. He said, Joe, if you want to be treated like a queen, no, strike that, reverse it. <laughs> Joe, if you want to be treated like a king, you got to treat her like a queen. If you want to have wonderful things happen to you, you've got to make wonderful things happen for other people in your life. That's that balance that needs to be struck. So knowing that you're not all that, I think is the first step. The other thing, raise your hand if you're a father, or if you have children, majority, okay? This is a secret that I found out in the last 27 years. We will all be underappreciated. I thought I would get reelected every single year. <laughs> I thought no matter what, I, they're going to love me. They're going to appreciate everything I've done. And the truth of the matter is that kids are mean. <laughs> they will attack you or reject you. Worse than pit bulls. Worse than any wild animal. We have to accept that. I mean, you made them with your best intentions, right? We prayed for children. But somewhere along the line, the recipe got messed up somehow, considering the ingredients that we all used. I mean, again, going back to number two, you're not all that, right? So how can we expect our offspring to be all that, right? So they will unfortunately disappoint and like I talked about re-election, I always thought that when I planned the camping trips and when I planned the surprises, and guess what? We're going out to dinner tonight. I had no idea that when they turned 16 that they would say that they didn't want me in my, their life anymore or when they turned 21, they would stop communicating altogether and not return texts and drive a parent crazy, right? I had to get to the fact that, oh, wait a minute, this is kind of the way it is. I think this room will agree that we probably didn't treat our fathers the best we could have growing up as well. It's a process. 
I want you to see something. This is truly an amazing thing. This is the Milan Cathedral. It's in Italy. It is the Duomo di Lamano. As I look to my Italian friends over here. Yeah, don't pay, watch yourself. John Moore, everyone, he married a beautiful Italian. Again, she has terrible taste in men as well. So that's why John and I have a lot in common. Yes. But this cathedral, it took over six centuries to make. Six centuries to make, to complete. It's the largest church in Italy. It's larger than the St. Peter Basilica at the Vatican. It is the third largest in Europe, and it's the fifth largest cathedral in the world. I want you to consider this cathedral just for a second. Because as time was going on in this cathedral, century after century, there were people involved in this cathedral. And I want you to know something. There have been architects and engineers that have listed themselves as contributors to this cathedral. I'd like to run through uh, a few of them right now for you. In, uh, in 1387, uh, Simone, and then, and then again uh, in 1391, and then, it, and then you have in 14, and then, and then in the 15th century, and then there's a whole bunch of individuals that worked on this cathedral. There's a story about a woodworker carving a beautiful image of a bird on a beam at the cathedral. And someone came up to the woodworker as he was working, and he said, I see you carving this beautiful, beautiful work of art, but it's going on top of the beam. There's going to be a roof. No one will see it. The worker said, ah, God will see it. And these cathedrals are built with that mentality in mind. As a matter of fact, I want you to know four facts about cathedrals. No one can say who built the great cathedrals. We have no record of every worker's name. No record. We're talking in this particular cathedral, six centuries. And no one knows every worker's name. These builders gave their whole lives for a work they would never see finished. They made great sacrifices and expected no credit. And finally, the passion of their building was fueled by their faith that the eyes of God saw everything. These workers, century after century. Amazing facts. Now, Joe's painful truth. And I really want you to understand this. The acts of kindness you've done... The sacrifices you've made, late nights you've worked trying to make ends meet, music lessons you paid for, sporting events you brought them to, vacations you planned, school functions or meetings, or t-ball or baseball or basketball or football or hockey or lacrosse games or track, wrestling or gymnastics meets, anything you ever attended, last-minute errands or lost sleep, years of lost sleep will never, ever specifically be repaid. That's the painful truth. But... God's loving proof is that you are building a great cathedral that right now you can't possibly see what it will become.
You are the great builder inspired by the almighty creator. And you were chosen by God. Chosen by God to do work that you will never see finished. To work on something that your name will never be on. And let me point out, my ancestors, I don't know my great-great-grandfather's name. But if it wasn't for him and my great-great-grandmother, I wouldn't be here. There's no name of them on me. I'm a product of them and a work of their art from centuries ago, but I have no credit to give them. It's just so important that this is what we are given. Which brings me to my fourth secret. That life is just not fair. There's no way around it. It's not perfect. It has perfect moments. But there is no justice and there's no balance that you will find. It's just impossible. And I think this secret, this truth, once you realize it and accept it, you start looking for other things to balance out the bad that you know will happen. It's expected. Because I can promise, and I think everyone in this room will promise that life isn't fair at times. You think of all the blessings in your life, all the good that is in your life. I mean, I really want you to think of all that. We're all in this beautiful room at this beautiful parish, enjoying breakfast, surrounded with loving people. It's a blessing within itself. It's going up to 60 today. The grill is coming out. We're going to celebrate. We're going to enjoy this glorious day that God has given us. It's a blessing. We can show up on a Sunday and, okay, we're here. But if we don't open our eyes to those things, I think it's important that we're going to find ourselves that, yeah, life isn't fair. If we have an attitude of gratitude, we're going to have a healthier, happier life without a doubt. Without a doubt. Let's face the facts. I'll speak for myself. I don't deserve everything I have. I didn't work for it. I didn't come out into this world saying, bring it, because I worked up into this point. No. No, I am not anywhere near worthwhile for the blessings that I have in my life. So if I feel that I don't deserve something in return, that resentment that could form, that attitude that I could have, doesn't have a chance to even grow if I'm just grateful that I have good friends in my life or a meal on the table or a roof over my head, even if it leaks. Even if I have a little less than the other person or a lot less than somebody that I envy. These are blessings that we need to remind ourselves that we do have and we're capable of being aware, that attitude of gratitude. We have to look for those moments of awesomeness. Blessings that we have that we're thankful for and we thank God for them right then and there. Leo Biscaglia was a wonderful speaker. He wrote a couple of books. He wrote a book called Love. That was what it's called, Love. And he was a professor. And he just talked, uh, maybe because he's Italian and he just was just out there and just said it like it is. He told this story and it stuck with me years ago. He said he had this little dog, this little yappy dog. 
and the dog would go to him and wag and bark because it had to go to the bathroom, so he had to take him out, and the dog would never go by himself. So he took the dog, okay, okay, we're outside, and the dog would take him to places to poop. To poop. It's going to be a great podcast. He'd take him to places, and the dog wouldn't go until Leo followed. So one day the dog is yapping and wagging its tail and taking Leo way past the yard that he has, through the trees, through other weeds and through the woods. And he's like, poop already, come on. And the dog finally does what it's supposed to do. And Leo, at that point, looks up and sees this beautiful rose bush. He said it was Italian velvet. It looked like it was crushed Italian velvet. He's never seen such beauty. And he said, and that's when it hit him. If it wasn't for the poop, he would have never saw the roses. <laughs> and that's life, too. No secret there that if it wasn't for the poop that we have to deal with, we wouldn't see the beauty that also comes from it. I've heard this before. Suffering is like garbage. It stinks and it smells, but it makes great fertilizer. Think of the last time you were on your knees. And I mean, I'm talking like gut, kicked in the gut, falling on your knees and praying to God. Something tells me that you probably weren't on your knees in Thanksgiving because that's where you fall to. See, as men... <laughs> This is going to take an interesting turn, I think. As men, we can sometimes be kicked, and the first reaction is to fall to your knees. You get what I'm saying here? We have reflexes here that sometimes just say, you are shutting down, you're on your knees right now. And that's what happens sometimes. But I think it's a glorious reflex that God built in, because when we are kicked in the gut, or anywhere else for that matter, we fall to our knees, and when we're on our knees... We are seeing things as a child on that level and asking for God's grace and mercy and prayers to be answered. And sometimes in the most heartfelt way, Lord, my child is sick. Or Lord, my wife found a lump. I need you. John Panna, it was 14 years ago, he asked me to come up here and talk about working in the Christian workplace and working in the secular world as a Christian. I came in here with a, a whole scheduled talk, and I did it for about a half through, halfway through the talk, and then I completely stopped and said to a room just like this, My wife found a lump, and I'm scared. And that's all the time I have. You guys have been wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You gotta laugh at these moments. <laughs> it was at that time when I had strangers come up to me, pray with me, pray for me. My wife was going to Bible studies here 
Deacon Day's wife prayed over. Miracles happen. Healing happens. But I was held up by my brothers. Because life isn't fair. But boy, I'll tell you what. God has these wonderful things in place to make things balance out at a given time when you never thought you needed it or you never thought it was even available. I look around and I see so many brothers that I've been through, renewals with, neighbors that I have, and I'll tell you what, you're all instruments of God's work. You just don't know how often I call or I go to you through prayer or actually physically and say, thanks for being there. This is a blessing. So life isn't fair, but you know what? You got to appreciate it like it's your job and you got to totally program yourself. You don't know how good your job is. Even if you hate your job, you don't know how good it is until you get downsized and fired and you're out of work for almost a year and a half. The next job you get, you tend to appreciate it. I used to look at my father sit in a living room by himself with one light click of the three-way light bulb, sit in his chair with a little grin on his face, and I think, eh, he's losing it. Until I sit in my family room with the TV off and go, And I know my sons, they probably walk by or say, yeah, dad's losing it. But you know what I'm doing? I'm thankful I'm not back at that emergency room where your son or my son was in a car accident. Or I'm not at the bedside of a child with a fever. There's an old saying, you're only as healthy as your sickest child. And that happens. So... We have those opportunities to appreciate what we have while we have it. And those times of peace, Friday or Saturday night, a little different 20 years ago, right? Now we're like, you know what? Let's keep the TV off and let's just sit still. No phones. For whatever reason, that is like an awesome thing. And no wonder. Because we know what it's like otherwise. I got to tell you this story. It, um, it's about a group of seminarians. Uh, they were given a test. They were split up into two groups. The one group was told they uh, are to write a sermon on any topic they would like. The other group, unbeknownst to what the other group was given, uh, they were told that uh, they have to write a specific sermon on the Good Samaritan. And they were giving a limited amount of time. They had the same amount of time to write it. Half an hour. Okay. And they were told that, okay, you're going to walk across the campus on the trail that only leads to the chapel. And you are going to present your sermon to all of the staff of the seminary. Well, about halfway along the path, the, of the winding pathway. The instructors chose an elderly gentleman to lay down in a fetal position, crying out, writhing in pain. Obviously in need. 
They wanted to see what the students would do, what students would stop, why they would stop, and why they didn't stop. Now, one would logically think that the ones that stopped were writing about this real-life parable happening before them, the Good Samaritan, but that wasn't the case. It wasn't at all true because there was a consistent factor between those who stopped and those who didn't. The students that were anxious about this assignment they were given to write specifically about the Good Samaritan were caught up in the assignment. Their minds consumed with the writing. They were lost in their thoughts about what I have to do, what I have to do. They didn't even notice, the, some of them didn't notice the man at all. The students who felt confident, who felt ready, who felt that they got this, were completely free and present to see this man in need. We're so busy on so many levels in our own life that we don't see the strangers who may need us. We don't see family members who may need us. We don't see co-workers who may need us, neighbors, friends, those that we love, who we can consistently pass over because we got other things going on. People in our community, people in our parish, people in our church. It's a missed opportunity. And the fifth secret, I am so excited about this. Guys, we have toolboxes. Okay, I'll get back to that. Let me review with you real quick, all right? This is huge, all right? There is a plan. There's your plan. There's God's plan. His is better. Now let me tell you why. Because Jeremiah 29.11 is one of my favorites. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. It is in the Old Testament that God's promise with us is for us to prosper. So God's plan is better. Secret number two, you're not all that. God reminds us in James to humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. In Luke, for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. The balance that we sometimes don't feel we have. Even though that person got the promotion or the job or the raise, there will be a balance. And in Proverbs, this is what I call, let somebody blow your own horn for you. Let someone else praise you and not your own mouth, an outsider and not your own lips. You're not all that, but God tells us to humble ourselves over and over and over again. Secret number three, like I said, you will be underappreciated for now. For now, I think someday we're going to find out every individual who ever carved any beautiful wood carving in any cathedral, I think that we'll be aware of all the blessings from past generations in our lives to current ones. And I think those 
unappreciated individuals in our lives, be it coworkers, be it family members, be it friends, realize someday, maybe not on this earth, what they have, what they had, and they're not the people they are if it wasn't for your handiwork and craftsmanship. In Colossians, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not men. You'll receive an inheritance from the Lord as your reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. A great reminder that comes to us that says, look, you're not going to get the credit you deserve. You warrant in your own head. You'll get it in your heart someday. Secret number four is one that comes off as a negative, but I think it's so awesomely positive that life is not fair. You look around. I don't know anybody that's walking this earth that really, truly deserves all the blessings that we have. Every day that we live, every breath that we take. You can quote your own police song if you'd like. <laughs> I'll be watching you. <coughs> Life is not fair, but it's glorious. In Hebrews, it says, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. If you are instruments of God's love. You know, there's a prayer we say at church, you know, God from God, light from light, true God from true God. I want to focus on that light from light. Those generations before me that created me, light from light from light. The light that all of you possess right here and share with each other. It changes people. It makes people different. It's just so important to realize that that happens. It can wear you out especially when you're giving and you feel like you're not getting back. I think what's really important is that we, uh, we realize that when we need to be recharged, God is there for us. Isaiah, not only is this a beautiful, beautiful scripture verse, it's turned into so many beautiful songs. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, he will not grow tired or weary. And his understanding, no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary. That's a reference to my cousin Vinny. Even youths. <laughs> Try to keep up, right? Young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength, and they will soar on wings like eagles. They will not run. They will not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Gentlemen, the fifth secret is something you probably all have in your possession. All right? You have a toolbox. You got to use it. It's as simple as that. And let me show you what's in mine. Oh, duct tape, of course. Yeah, that's in there. I wanted a glorious light to shine out of this, you know, when I opened it up. Yeah, ah, you know, but I couldn't, I couldn't rig it up. So anyway, the first thing, 
Tools. I am so excited about this first tool I want to show you. I just got it yesterday, I kid you not. I'm going to turn to the Tim Allen here. Does anyone know exactly what this is? This is a screwdriver with a gyroscope inside of it. I saw this, a guy was using it that came to my house to service a furnace. I go, what is that? And, he, and I thought it was just a regular cordless screwdriver. Gentlemen, this is the beauty of the men's fellowship breakfast. I want you to take scripture verse with you, but don't forget about this awesome screwdriver. It has a gyroscope in it, so when you, when you start it and you turn it to the right, it screws it in. There's no switch. You turn it to the left, it unscrews it. Watch. Huh? Yeah. And the cool thing is about this is that when you go fast, hard, hard right, it's going gonna, it's gonna, to hard left. So there's no, oh, which one am I going? How many times have you tried to screw in something and all the, pff, it, it, the wrong way? And you have to do this way. No switch on this. So I thought I'd bring a tool to show you just how cool it is. Got it on Amazon. So, all right. Aside from other tools, there are other things in this toolbox. We have tools in our toolbox that we truly are blessed to have. Now, I realize women, females, anyone in the world can have toolboxes. But in our toolbox, we have something that actually makes us smarter as men. Tools that we have specifically that give us tricks of the trade, if you will, that makes other people in our lives think that we have it all together. What's in your toolbox? One thing we don't do well as men is read instructions, right? Who needs them? Inside every single one of your toolboxes is an instruction manual. I see where Joe is going with this. The Bible is an instruction manual that we need to read. And this group of men that I have surrounding me, I'm just like you. I wasn't raised to bust open the Bible all the time. There's other denominations in the Christian faith that know this instruction manual front and back. It doesn't make them better people, but at least they have the instructions maybe here or maybe here. There are Bible studies within this parish. Oh, look, it's the bulletin. I can go through this and pick out five different things that could give you a better grasp of Scripture and God's instruction book. Look, Deacon Dave is presenting the keys to living in the kingdom. There are awesome groups getting together all the time. This is in your toolbox. Also in your toolbox is a schedule of the masses. Sunday Mass. I only have a couple minutes left here. I just want to break it down for you. When you go to Mass on any given day, and by the way, Masses are now on a daily basis. <laughs> what? It's so important that you realize that there is so much happening in the Mass. You realize that when any Mass you go to, any Mass you go to, you have the first opportunity, the first availability to say, look, I screwed up, I'm not all that, and I have messed up, and I'm asking all of you to pray. 
please pray for me because I'm a loser. I'm a sinner. I'm broken. It happens every Mass. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have sinned through my own faults. In my thoughts, in my words, in my grievous thoughts, right? The new one. In my words, and I love this part, what I have done and what I have failed to do. We're telling everyone surrounding us that we're not all that. That we messed up. That we're broken. We are leveling the playing field. Last time I looked, there is no pitch to the pews. Nobody has better seats than the other person. We're all flat on the same level. And I think that's with reason. This particular church, it works out really well for this talk. <laughs> Sometimes you're like, mm-hmm. the truth is, is that we are leveling the playing field. Then what happens next? We get an instruction book. Spoon fed. The first reading is always from the Old Testament. Then we work into Psalms, which are songs that these people of faith used to sing while walking through the desert, trying to follow God's plan. That zigzag was certainly not a straight line for them. So we go from the Old Testament to Psalms to the second reading, which is from the New Testament after the Gospels. This is what all our broken brothers before us, generations before, did. Paul, Peter, Timothy, all these people trying to look for their path. And said, you know what, I'm going to write this down to kind of leave a little roadmap for somebody you know, following me. It's all there. Then after that, of course, we have the homily, a lesson from a man of the cloth, a man of faith that gives us what he feels is his perception of the readings and maybe some, some tips for the week and how to be a better person. And here at St. Basil, we are blessed. Amen, for the wonderful men that are on that altar. And then we have gifts, tools in the toolbox that I don't want you to think are just overlooked. Gentlemen, we have in our toolbox the capability of celebrating the body and blood of Jesus Christ through the Eucharist. If you don't feel a need to get communion, and feel that need to go, you know what, I need to get to church. Truth be told, and I'm, I'm not trying to disrespect, everything else pales in comparison. The homily, the readings, the pinnacle of church and mass is the breaking of that bread. And we have that as a gift in our toolbox. The other thing that we need to understand is And it was talked about, Deacon Lou mentioned, confession. That's a wonderful gift with the sacraments. Another word for sacrament here in our Catholic faith is gifts. Guys, if I screw up in this world, it's a wonderful thing for me to be able to go to you and say, I need your prayers. Please, I messed up. And to have you look at me and say, you know what? God forgives you. It's okay. Celebrate the fact that you are forgiven. That's exactly what happens at confession. That's a gift. And the Catholic Church, I think, knew that years ago. Look, we got to sit people down face to face because this whole pray to God and not get any response sometimes is starting to hurt the church. So let's set up something where we can have somebody actually talk personally to somebody else and that person will say, 
Celebrate the fact that God, no matter what you've done, forgives you. I think some of us today need to hear that from a person. Because you pray and you think, I don't hear God talking back. Sometimes God works through us. Confession is truly a gift in your toolbox. The other thing we have, man, I'll tell you what, these Marvel movies are awesome, right? I love them. But the other thing we have is in our toolbox, specifically here, of course, in the Catholic faith, is we have stories of superheroes, the saints. Mary, you talk about a superhero. She was told that she was going to give birth to the Messiah. Will you do this? Yes. She says yes. And the pain and suffering that she went through is more mind-blowing than any Marvel movie or superhero movie. And, and there's stories one after the other. I mean, think about this. I give my life to Christ. I'm going to preach God's love, and then I'm going to get killed. And how many times, saint after saint, martyr after martyr, does that happen? It's not always a happy story, but I guarantee the ending is phenomenal because it's always a happy ending if you have faith in Christ. I came across this. This is one of my prized possessions. I kid you not. It's a comic book of PJP2. It's Pope John Paul II. And they put his life, the Marvel comic group, put his life on the pages of a comic book. These are out there. There's something called the Picture Bible. that People think it's for teenagers or kids. Read it. You want to see some amazing Bible stories. Phenomenal. Aside from this, in my toolbox, and it was mentioned earlier, there are people surrounding all of you right now that you got to utilize. They're brothers in Christ willing to help you up through prayer, through times of struggle, through times of great celebration. Utilize these gifts of each other in our toolbox. There are renewals here. Christ renews his parish. Phenomenal. There are weekend retreats. Deacon Dave just had an incredible retreat. What, two weeks ago, Dave? Last weekend. And they are in the bulletin. You do not have to do this alone. Utilize your tools. There's so many parish events. There's so many celebrations. So I invite you, please, to do just that. I invite you to reach out to me. Again, I'm on 95.5 The Fish. And I'm also on Channel 3. But to try to reach out to either station sometimes is difficult. So if you want to reach me, I've got my own website J-O-E-C-L-E dot com. And I want to leave you with uh, just one little word. Getting back to the audience precipitation, like I like to call it. That means that people participate so much they sweat. I just want to sing one short song to you. awesome if we did these songs in church the pews would be packed every week I mean you know you think about that if we just you know like Freebird it's like the dove if I leave here tomorrow I mean it could be like the Holy Spirit right we just have to change the words a little bit for example um, 
We, we are the champions, right? Queen fans here, anybody? Well, get ready to rock. <laughs> we are forgiven, my friends. And we're gonna praise him to the end. We are forgiven. We are forgiven. No time for sinning. Cause we are forgiven. Thank the Lord. People would be doing this. We'll be holding candles over our heads. Be awesome. Or how about this? Since you don't know the new words I'm writing, how about we take the words to another song that we already know and change them? Let there be peace on earth. We all know. Let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. No, no, no. Same words, Hotel California. <laughs> let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. Let there be peace on earth, the peace that was meant to be. With God as our Father, brothers are we. Let me walk with my brother. this one all right think about Bruce Springsteen being played at st. Basil it's the boss praising the boss it would sound something like this one two one two three four but it's not born to run it's amazing grace. Same words, just a different tune. We would fill the pews. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace, and grace, my fears relieved. Oh, how precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. I was staring it right in the face. Because of God, we got amazing grace. bless you all. Thanks so much for being here. We hope you enjoyed this audio from our parish. You can find other homilies, talks, and interviews at our website, basilthegreat.org, or by subscribing to this podcast in your favorite app. Just search for St. Basil Catholic Church, Brexville. St. Basil the Great, pray for us. <laughs>